I'd like to start by honoring the land and its original inhabitants, the Piscataway, the Pamunque, the Nanteco, the Man Manaponi, the Chickahominy, the Manicon, the Powhatan, and the estimated 50 to 70 million souls taken from this land. I love Nehemiah. He reminds me, <coughs> sorry, I'm a little nervous. It's okay to rage against the machine. <laughs> to, to sneak around behind the authority and to just the deck in God's favor. God does not need our help. God, um, but also to fight for God and for God's people. To be bold, to be in scripture, and to also repent. Praise and confession is where we find ourselves in this text. For Nehemiah, in their context, the communal confession of a sinful history was leading up to a great distress, and the people found themselves right in the middle. This penitential prayer begins by reminding us of who Yahweh is and what Yahweh has created. It moves us into the ancestors, which I believe is key to understanding who we are in this covenant. There are three themes in which we see in verses 7 and 8. The divine call to journey, the change of name, and the promise of covenant to land and people. We are called to this divine journey. It looks different for each of us. Abraham was called out of Ur to a faith journey. Nehemiah and the exiles were also called to this journey. And now we are called to the same journey. We think we enter into this journey to find out who we truly are, but we already know. It's now time to enter into Yahweh's journey. When I was in my inquiry stage, I thought I knew who I was. I knew I was broken, but I didn't know how much I was a racist, how much I was homophobic, how much my identity was in being an ex-con, how much I struggle with leadership and authority, how much I struggle with PTSD, how much generational trauma is real, and that I am an oppressor, just to start my list. We begin to see why this process for the Israelites took a quarter of the day. But none of these imperfections explain who we are. These things were imprinted on me by my culture, by my parents, by my teachers, by my, by my peers, and by my oppressors, not God. When we can identify these imperfections given in us and see they have no place in God's procession for creation and for our lives, we are, we are able to enter into the ritual of changing our names. This period in life is hard. It's meant to form us into the anointed fighters for all of God's creation. But we have to submit to the individualistic identities that have formed us and created us into who we are in this moment. And like the priestly tradition this text pulls from, we are also called to this priesthood. But what kind of priests or church leaders will we be if we don't allow the living Christ to process through us and change our names? The changing of names is a priestly tradition that goes back to Genesis 17. It implies a new role and destiny. We are living members of that first conversion of Abram to Abraham. We continue to see the first fruits of Abraham to this day. In Acts, we see Saul go through this conversion procession. Suddenly Saul, the great persecutor of new creation, had his world turned upside down. Everything Saul had been taught was true, yet completely changed. 
The law and the prophets had been true, but the law was torn to pieces. Most of us come to the cross in this, in this way. We inquire into the glory of the Messiah. We, face, we are faced with terror, shame, awe, glory. Shoot, for me, terror again. In their conversions, we see how much God loves us, willing to wait for us for that reasonable time, for when we knock on that door, and like C.S. Lewis said in an interview in his autobiography, a decision was made for him. In our inquiry, we become eternal. We enter into the session of the living God. Willing or unwilling, we become changed into a new creation. We, ch we can choose to reject this love, or we can accept that we are a broken people and not of a broken God. With God's help, we can change this world. Everything changed for Abram and Saul the moment they were in the numinous of God. Everything we see from them through the journey, the name change, and the entering into the new role and destiny is a map God has given us to follow. God is just. By confessing our sins to God and our neighbors, we can come to the table and enter into this destiny. We see the law that is different from the ones we are used to. In Nehemiah, we see the people coming together, sharing stories of what Yahweh has done to get ready to confess for what they have done individually and as a body. To journey through the suffering that has formed us by the same love that saw you perfectly made at your birth. What has God done for you? How do you answer the question like Saul, Jesus asks of you, I am Jesus and you're persecuting me. Why? In our country, we have indigenous reservations such as Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. The mortality rate is second only to Haiti in the Western Hemisphere. This is America. This land was taken from the people in the name of Jesus. These things we need to confess and make right in our churches and our communities. We are the future leaders and priests of the Church of God, as we say. These are the stories we need to hear. To grow from these stories, they don't look like ours. We cannot relate to them, but we become allies by hearing them. Like the people of Israel and their disobedience, they knew they needed to confess in order to see what God had for them. I cannot wait to work with each and every one of you to enter into this ancestral theme of the divine call to journey, the change of name, and the promise of covenant to land and people. I pray you suffer well, my friends. The Christ who suffered and died for you is just. His covenant is eternal, so let us all suffer well.